So at the end of February on my Facebook uh, memories, a memory popped up uh, where I had said, rest in peace, IWE or rip IWE. Um, and um, it had happened shortly after me and, well, mainly Justin Smith and Dojo Productions had um, finalized a deal with Amazon to sell um, our DVDs, the IWE DVDs. And we were about to um, cut in. We had agreed to cut in the quote-unquote money men. Uh, a percentage of the sales, you know, the Amazon deal was a pretty big deal for us. You know, this is, uh, 2010. So February, uh, late February, 2010. And to think I had really only been with IWE and they'd only really been around for 13 months at that point. Um, it's interesting to look back now and go, Wow the growth that we somewhat had, the perception of growth, perception of buzz, um, and how, if I look at it, you know, how potentially successful it was and yet still was this struggling independent promotion. Um, but I had in mind, you know, for the last episode to do um, the GSL episode, which you know, the days of GSL, so, but I knew I wanted to cover this. Now I have done, um, kind of a Chronicles edition on YouTube back in 2014. I actually discussed a lot of this, uh, kind of went in depth, but it was over, you know, I worked for many companies over the span of a couple of years. And that was kind of the, one of the, you know, they were all somewhat high highlights, but that was definitely one of the highlights was, that time. Uh, so I discussed it in depth and I've had members of that crew on conversation pieces on YouTube. So you can see that stuff, you know, podcast stuff. I don't really have anything, uh, but truth be told, I think we had talked about it. Um, and it's still brought up to this day by some, yeah, you know, which I'm completely humbled and touched by. But, um, you know, I thought, hey, I haven't done it on this exact medium, so why not talk about it a little bit? Um, you know, I'm going to be as transparent as I can possibly be in relation to how it impacted me. I'm going to try to avoid um, really going in depth with how any other person felt, but I will tell you how I was feeling at specific points throughout um, <clears throat> including why I wanted to book IWE to begin with. So now here's the crazy th thing to think about also is that um, IWE began on MySpace as an entity and uh, ended up on Facebook uh, within a 13-month span. MySpace was the you know, the odds on like leader of social media at that point. And then Facebook kind of came and took over. And to see that 
you know, is an interesting thing also to think about because it's like 2009 is where it really all started. And a lot of that stuff's on MySpace. Um, it's also great to go back. There's a playlist of stuff that's, you know, over a decade old. And uh, it's very interesting to watch some of that now. But, you know, I think of back then and, um, you know, I still have like physical DVDs, um, you know, actual like, I don't want to say master prints, you know, because Justin has that stuff. But, um, you know, I've got the non-Amazon version. And I don't think you can actually get the Amazon version. And I think for all intents and purposes, Dojo Productions at this point has moved on. And there's not a lot of footage from that time, um, which is kind of sad, you know. It'd be really great to kind of go back and look at a lot of that stuff of, you know, thought at points of doing kind of a catching up with the alum of IWE that's just never happened. And so 2009, I get a message on MySpace from a John Gonzalez, who I would find out um, actually was the brother of a promoter out of Victoria named Marty Gonzalez, who had always treated me right and had actually gotten me a set of gear early in my career, really had been a solid dude. And actually had asked me to listen to his brother's pitch. He wanted to start a promotion. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll listen. I wasn't too enthusiastic. I was, you know, slightly been burned out, you know, uh, had been booking at a place kind of rather small CCW for about six months. And, um, I was still pretty raw about a lot of things. I was, you know, I was working places, but, um, I'd also get discouraged real quickly. And if I got discouraged, then I'd kind of lose the passion of it, so to speak. And, um, the thought of being in a new promotion, just like a startup didn't really appeal to me, uh, to be a piece of talent on a, on a new show really wasn't something I wanted to do. But I listened to John anyway and, um, you know, out of respect to Marty and, um, you know, he pitched the idea of me being his champion, his first champion. And I want to say he had the letters IWE. I think that's what he wanted to use. Um, at least that's, that's how I remember it. Um, but, you know... He said, well, you know, I want you to be the champ of my new promotion, so on and so forth. And then I asked him, well, who, who do you have booking it? You know, who's who's going to be running this? Who's the brain trust? And he said he didn't really have anybody in mind. And I said, hey, man, I'm supposed to be your champ. What if I just ran your show? I know guys that want to work, you know, and I've done, I've booked and ran shows before. So I'd be willing to do it. And he was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, man, I. I love doing that stuff. Um, I think I bring more value in that sense. Plus, you know, the idea of like, again, being the champ of a startup, I don't know, didn't really appeal to me, but yet here I am wanting to book it. And I think I wanted to book it for a number of reasons. A number of things that happened to me I had witnessed within the industry. Like, uh, for instance, I got heat um, during my time in WoW from... Chaz and his his dad, rest in peace, tug tugboat, um, because I put over Booker T's school in a Q and A for one of my YouTube videos, um, 
And it wouldn't have been so bad because, hey, it's a booking, you know. And while I got to work, like, Silky Baines and Mysterious Q there, it wasn't like I was really one of their mainstays at that time. And I had approached working for them because at the time, I think NWA was going to revamp itself. And um, Ken Taylor had approached me and said, hey, man, reach out to WOW. You could kind of start getting in there and we'll eventually bring you in into the Texas title picture because I was a former champ. Um, and Michael Faith, I think, was the champ at the time. So the idea was like, in the summer of 2009, you'll feud with Faith. And then, you know, I post this video on YouTube and that kind of all goes out the window. And there's really no, you know, really no backup from, um, um, yeah, no real backup from Ken Taylor in that respect. And so I kind of lost out on that opportunity. And it's like, I got heat for that. And it was kind of like this whole jumping through hoops just to get that kind of information, a lot of unspoken stuff, you know, you get heat with people and not realize you have heat because no one's talking to anyone. Um, you know, or just kind of my situation with bookers at the time or, um, people not really promoting shows or not using videos or not being on YouTube where it was like, that's a tool I think we could use or utilizing social media a little bit more. Um, you know, I was a big fan of video wires and this, that, the other, but I saw so many lost opportunities or opportunities where guys purposely felt like role players because they weren't given a lot of information. They weren't told a lot of stuff. They weren't given a lot of direction nor were they given a lot of freedom. You know, you were kind of handcuffed to whatever the vision was and you hoped there was a vision. And in some respects there was, but in most respects there weren't. And, um, you know, I just saw a lot of wrong and, you know, part of me wanted to run a show again because I really enjoyed doing Uncut. And I thought, well, this will be different. I won't be as stressed. Uh, Spoiler alert, that's not how, how it ends up. I got really stressed out running this show in particular uh, for a variety of reasons, but we'll get into that in a minute. So back to this initial conversation we talk and, you know, initially it sounds really good. This guy's got a building in Houston in Harwin, you know, in kind of a, um, <clears throat> in an office, um, like a series of offices. And this was one of them. They had a garage and a multi-roomed building attached to it. And there was a lot of potential. You know, when I walked into the building the first time, it was, I think they had just moved in. And so they were kind of building this thing from scratch, but they had the rooms and they were painting them different colors. And I just saw potential and like a lot of it. And then you had this big, you know, bay doors and, uh, you know, um, big warehouse style thing that they could really just kind of manipulate, turn into almost a studio. So I kind of immediately saw a vision for what IWE could be. And, you know, it was promising. It was really promising. But I didn't have a video production company. Um, at best, I had a camera, a singular camera. But that would change. Um, during a casting call, John and um, 
he also had a partner, but the idea of the Harwin place was that they were going to run birthday parties out of it. And they were, part of it was going to be, they could do wrestling themed stuff there and kind of the whole, you know, almost create maybe characters for these people. Like you have multiple rooms and, you know, he was like, we're going to start booking birthday parties almost immediately. And it's just going to be like hand over fist kind of money. And like the, so the wrestling show, I'm not too worried about it making the money. I'm more concerned about um, just putting on a great show and kind of wowing the people. And so, you know, we talked and he was more like, I want you to do it the way you want to do it. And he was going to pay me pretty well. I think like meetings with him, probably a, a bill just to go to a meeting to book a show. I think it was 200. That was uh, separate from whatever the talent budget was going to be. And it was going to be pretty substantial. I think he wanted to pay everyone a bill. And if they were local, that was, you know. Um, so it all sounded great. Now, one of the first, and not necessarily red flags, but, you know, he did want to bring in women and there was an audition for them. But it wasn't for female wrestling talent. I think he wanted women in the respect of like, maybe like the Nitro Girls, I think was was an early idea. And I was like, well, I think you'd have to get a choreographer and you'd have to get like a gear person and much like wrestling. But, you know, most times the wrestlers take care of that stuff. Um, I think he would have also been cool with them just being, you know, kind of what they do in Mexico where the women walk out with their... They don't really, you know, they wear something similar to whatever the guys are, something colorful, but, you know, they're not really spoken to or anything like that. They're not really an aspect of the show, uh, far beyond just the aesthetic. Um, and for me, I just thought, well, if you're paying these women and they're, you know, a lot of them are potential models or are models and let's make them spokesmodels for this and maybe we can make them ring announcers you know they each have a their own segment and that way they can have their own personalities and i think he liked that idea you know and he wanted to give me i think he wanted me to host it because he felt like that would be but he also wanted a co-host a female co-host which i was totally fine with i didn't really necessarily want to host uh, but I thought, well, you know, I can help move the show along. You know, I can, you know, we can make this something slightly different. I hadn't really fleshed it out yet. Um, you know, for me, the audition process was talking to everyone and kind of trying to get a sense of if they were fans. And, you know, because I'm trying to formulate what we're going to do um, with the women that we, that are brought in. Um, and... Um, yeah, but at that, you know, one of those casting audition uh, sessions is where I met Justin Smith, uh, who was leading up Dojo Productions. Originally, I think he was brought in to do uh, web graphics for the website. And, um, you know, we got to talking, we kind of hit it off. Uh, we discussed, you know, what was going on. Uh, what my kind of vision for it was originally, you know, again, I was probably going to do a singular shot and have it from the perspective of an audience member who was friends with the entire crew and cast. And so 
maybe the wrestling would be shot. You know, hard cam, maybe we'd luck out and get another camera, and then I would use a handheld and be just kind of walk around, you know, with it and to film it from that perspective, and you would just kind of see what grabbed the audience members' attention. I thought, oh, man, for YouTube, that would be kind of interesting. I'd seen a show called My uh, Secret, Super Secret Ex-Girlfriend, something like that. Very short-lived, like one season, but it was from the perspective of the main character. So it was all, you know, uh, first person. And I thought, man, that's kind of an interesting concept for a wrestling show. You could really kind of play with that. Um but once I talked to Justin, you know, he's like, I do have video production capability, editing, so on and so forth. So I asked John, hey, could we just bring them in to film the first show and kind of go from there? And John was down for that, you know, seemingly. Um, so, yeah. And so that first show, I think it was Justin's birthday. And he brings in like a crew of 50 and they're all in dojo production shirts and they've got lanterns and... I mean, it's just, it's quite the sight to behold. And the building almost wasn't ready. And, you know, probably a month earlier, I'd been like, well, once we put a date down, we're not canceling. That would always been one of my things. It's like, we don't cancel. We, we're always doing the shows that we're saying we're going to do. And so I had to really press it. And like the day before, they were struggling. But they got it at least done enough. I mean, that for sure was wild, you know, to get paid that kind of money and we were kind of buzzworthy because of the crew that I brought in. Now, mind you, I'm not working at books at this point, but I'm bringing in most of that talent or at least, you know, guys that I work with there. Um, you know, Ryan Davidson was brand new to there uh, and, Funny, funny thing about that is that I had seen him at WOW and he was working Austin Rhodes and just seemed to never get tired. I think they went like 30, 35 minutes, it seemed like. And he just made Austin Rhodes look like a like Dusty Rhodes. And I had never seen either one really work. And this was kind of like, oh my God. But you could tell Ryan was, was a super talented dude and we had... Me and Adrian had told him, my friend Adrian had told him to go to books. Like, you have to be at books. And um, I just knew that if I was going to run this company, I needed that guy. Because he was a promo guy. Um, in fact, like the first video, one of the first videos we put out was one where I had a meeting with with. The, the roster that I picked, I wanted to have a, a meeting before the show so they could see everything and like a few weeks before and kind of tell them kind of the game plan of what we were going to, what we were going to do. Um, and, you know, just to give them the idea that I had this vision so that they were in the loop. And I was like, this is a place where you can be pretty creative. You know, I want to kind of adhere to any stories that you've got going on elsewhere. I don't really want to Pretend you don't work elsewhere. Um, you know, the only thing I ask is, again, on MySpace, on profile picture, if we have a flyer, put it out there, put it on there, make it your profile pic for for a couple of days leading into the show, because more than likely you're on the flyer. So, you know, just brag about it. I'm not going to expect you to sell tickets or anything like that, but that was ideally what I wanted to do. 
But I remember doing, having that meeting and also saying, hey, let's film some like, let's film a promo to tell, let everyone know that we're, we're the new thing. You know, our new, our first show is going to be February 21st and, uh, you know, 2009. And we need to let everyone know that we've arrived and Ryan's, you know, everyone it filmed out of order. You know, what, what was put out was just kind of me just trying my hand at editing with stuff. And, um, Ryan just stole it. I think he was one of the mid takes, one take phenomenal promo, in my opinion, you know, it was everything I needed it to be. Uh, but he was relatively new there, but had, you know, again, he was, I think a champ and wow. And was a top dude at TASW. We were in the midst of the thing at TASW, um, you know, that, that whole year, 2009, we were feuding, you know, we were friends and then feuding. So, um, it was kind of no brainer to bring him aboard. Um, and you know, I have immense respect for him to this day. Uh, Gustavo Mendoza, another one, I have immense respect for. He was a guy that had, you know, his first trainer was Booker T. I remember Gustavo and his, um, I want to say, you know, his, his, the related him and uh, Rubio, they put on this match. They were students at the time. They put together this five minute match, told this great story. And you just real they, really got me into it, you know, and they were brand new, you know, but they were, you know, he had such a mind for it. And I just seen him from, from his first show on. And I was like, I need this guy. Plus, you know, he was a, a Booker T guy. So, um, I knew, Hey, there, there's some people that are going to gravitate towards us because he's there. But again, he was a phenomenal hand, a great promo, really knew his character. Um, I was just tickled by it. Uh, Mysterious Q, I worked at WoW. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 6'5", and he could do all these flips. And at the time, you know, he's a little leaner than he is now. But he was like a physical freak. Um, didn't say, you know, anything promo-wise. We always put this mystique around him that he was kind of a, a mystery to everyone. Um, but he never spoke in any of her stuff and, um, throughout his entire run. And that was, I think by design, you know, if he had wanted to speak, I wanted to do promos, I probably would have done that with him. But when I brought him in, it was like, oh, he's going to be the young phenom that everyone's going to clamor for. Like a year from now, they're going to want him to be champ. I mean, probably will be champ by then. Uh, but for right now, I just want to kind of lay the groundwork of him, uh, being the guy. You know, Adrian Sensation, your feature presentation, is a friend of mine. And he had done the Adrian Sensation character at PCW and then came to books and done a completely different character. And he was one of my best friends and just totally on board from the jump. And um, I wanted him to do a Sensation because he really enjoyed doing that character and the, your feature presentation. And I was like, well, you need an entourage. So it was like, let's put you with people. And I think... I liked Imperial Entertainment Worldwide. Wide, wide, wide. You know, I liked, I liked that idea. So I stuck, you know, put Rubio with him and then put Kelly Kevin with him. And Kevin, uh, you know, Rubio had immense respect for. And as a manager and again, a guy that was associated with uh, PWA at the time, Booker T, you know, it was 
It's kind of a no-brainer. Um, and Kelly Kevin was actually at when I ran uncut, we had a kind of a rough uh, interaction that we've spoken about, but uh, because I ran such a tight ship on uncut, they brought him in kind of as a surprise. They had them come in. The, their match kind of got screwed up. The rough count of three on a, like, I think on a shoulder tackle pin. So I was really not very apologetic about it. So it could have gone, could have gone a whole different slew of ways, but <clears throat> I love the Kelly Kevin character and I love what he was doing with it. And I just thought, man, I really need him for the entertainment factor. I was big fan of his and uh, loved having him as a part of it. Um, Rockstar Robbie kind of goes without saying. He was a young upstart there and uh, I liked his work. You know, he's fairly solid and um, thought he had a great personality and I thought there's something about the Rockstar character. We could have done something with it, you know, with a fan base, this, that, the other. And then finally, like, not finally, there's, there's a few other names. Uh, of that initial crew that were so essential for the success and the early buzz. But, you know, kind of one of the mainstays of it, at least those, you know, throughout most of my run was VIP. He was a former PWA champion. He was a guy who had like actual Booker T boots. Um, <clears throat> he was um, supposed to be MVP's brother. They had an interaction um, but he had been with Book for a while. Same thing with Adrian. I think he had left. Um, he had left Booker. I think we had all kind of, you know, gradually walked away, you know, for various reasons. I think you just get fed up with that place. Uh, some of us do. Uh, not everyone. But, um, you know, and, and Q wasn't there yet. I don't think they had even really seen Q at that point. But VIP was another good friend of mine and uh, someone who was on board from the jump and kind of knew what he wanted to do with his character. And um, yeah, like, I, I mean, he had a VIP section, which I thought was great and, you know, really was thinking of ways of bringing in people and uh, really helpful from that standpoint. The Crusaders were guys that I actually knew when I, I booked the show early and they were students and I was like, wear these masks and be over the top baby faces. And they went out there and did it and got killed. And then they morphed that debut into the Crusaders. And the Crusaders were one of the most entertaining duos I've ever seen. And I just had to have them on the show. Um, I had to have them be part of this roster. And it was always fun with them. Uh, they just got it. And they always kind of shortchanged themselves, of, you know, always like so, uh, um, so insulting to, to themselves, you know, like we're all our own worst critics, but you know, they never like to take compliments and I would always try to compliment them because I really thought they were super, super talented going to be like focal points of my, of my show. Um, and really, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the other one, you know, there's like Chaotix. He was there for, uh, for that early period he was there. I like our resident luchador. Um, and definitely a great hand. And we just, he's relative, relatively new to the scene. And um, I didn't know him that well. And, you know, he was, uh, but initially he was a good hand. And I thought maybe potentially 
he would have been a guy that knew other luchadors that we could bring in. So I thought it was, you know, important that, um, that we have that guy, you know, that, because especially since we had Q, we could have kind of the yin and yang. And really the only, you know, the other one was, um, was Yule or Cash. And I brought him in as basically my bodyguard. Once I became the host of the show, we realized I was going to be the host. I thought, oh, it'd be cool to have a bodyguard. Yule had worked with me at CCW. That's where he got a handful of matches under his belt. You know, he trained under Booker, but just can never find his footing there. But I always thought he was a stand-up dude and uh, really eager to learn. And I definitely wanted him to be a part of it uh, in so many ways. And I love the idea of having him as my bodyguard to I mean, look at the dude, put him in a suit, you know, and just kind of make him, I had ideas for like where we could have gone with that character. Had we really kind of explored that? Um, you know, then other people that were like essential Aside from Dojo Productions, which were essential, and I'll get to those guys in a minute, but like Darius, who was our, you know, our commentator and was going to be like our Joey Styles. Uh, he was on his own for the most part for most of those tapings that we did, and he did an admirable job. The best part about him, honestly, aside from his eagerness, was um, his connections as far as he got us on a few, a few things. Uh, we got to work with ROH kind of in conjunction. Um, we got access to ROH during WrestleMania weekend of WrestleMania 25. We also were able to do a show that that like that weekend morning. I think we we're one of the earlier shows, like 11 a.m. on April 4th. I want to say. Um, but Darius got us. You know, we kind of worked with them as far as uh, as far as like not in joint you know co-promotion because they obviously ring of honor but you know we got to at least hang out with them and meet them and and whatnot you know i got to be at, at like i said a couple of those tapings uh yeah i think like one of their pay-per-views and then some of their television but i i'll get into that in a second um but yeah so we you know set up this crew and now we have these women and we're going to kind of utilize them in ways to treat them as personalities because that's what I wanted to do. And I thought, okay, well, that, you know, another thing we could do is showcase them as personalities and they could create personas and it would, you know, maybe work in that respect. Um, and again, they were, I think, realistically getting paid more than the guys who were wrestling. So I had to really make value of that. Um, within two shows, we no longer had um, a bankroll. They hadn't booked any birthday parties and still didn't seem like they were going to be booking any on the horizon. So they had suggested that um, we had to have a different arrangement and they couldn't guarantee anything. They were like, you know what? You guys get the door and we'll get concessions. And I was like, and I think at that point, I, you know, Ray started to be more of a vocal 
part of it. He was the husband of the, apparently initially when I met John, I met her who, you know, she was supposedly part of the money aspect. Um, they were not fans of production, video production. They were not fans of it. I don't know if it was, I don't really know the exact reason. You know, Justin and I got along famously early, early in our, you know, partnership. And that really helped, you know, because I could rely on him to, to do what he did with the, with the content that he filmed. Um, and I felt that there was value in that, you know, especially now, because once we filmed the first one, I was like, man, I want to continue to do this. I didn't really want to go back to the idea of a singular shot, especially with a camera that wasn't like high def or, you know, on the cusp of it. So I really felt like I needed the crew. But again, we don't have money except for what we make at the door. And I remember having a meeting with that initial crew and that initial crew agreeing that we should continue to do it. I was like, that we could have been our out, you know, all the, all the women left, which was a shame, you know, but I got it, you know, they're not getting paid. Uh, some still showed up, you know, and, and uh, supported it and, you know, and uh, seemed to be fans of it. But again, they're not getting paid to do it. Um, I got it, you know, but a lot of the wrestlers were down, you know, they liked uh, so far what we were trying to do. They, they saw the vision because I had kind of given them an idea Hey, we're going to put out four DVDs. It's typically going to be the fifth or sixth show. And we're going to build up for that. All that we'll film everything. So we have footage for you guys to kind of see what they're filming and how they're filming it. And also, uh, so you can improve in that respect, but also get to see how you're doing mechanically and such so that we get the, um, you know, we, we have the best show humanly possible. I would always tell the guys, the talent, like, get yourselves over. That's what the camera is for. It's to get you over. And, um, that was always the motto. And I'd always tell those guys, I also was stressing a lot, you know, uh, running those shows. Cause I was so passionate about it. I kind of had a, a firm idea of what I wanted to do, you know, how far in advance I was willing to go with it was, you know, probably DVD to DVD and then have like this overarching, okay, I know by the end of year one, I want to be where Q is champ and the Crusaders are well-established as a tag team, uh, tag team champion representatives, and maybe Q's working with them. Maybe, uh, you know, Ryan will be my champ for, for a long extended period and VIP is going to be kind of his main foil, so to speak. And who knows, maybe they'll bounce the title back and forth, but we're not going to crown anyone until like May. Um, we did do WrestleMania weekend, like I mentioned, and I did go to the Ring of Honor stuff and went to an autograph signing that featured those guys. And it was really great meeting a lot of them, getting to go backstage, kind of seeing how they did things. And also I met a lot of YouTubers because a lot of people from, you know, all over the world come to WrestleMania and this was no different, WrestleMania 25. So, um, I got to meet a lot of those people that I was interacting with on YouTube and that was something. Yeah. WrestleMania weekend was pretty crazy. You know, the idea that we were, you know, I was able to check out what Ring of Honor was doing from a production standpoint, kind of, kind of reaffirming what I was doing with, you know, the multi-cam shots that I had. 
Um, and, you know, what we tried to do from a production standpoint as far as, you know, when it would come to pre and post videos, which I thought were essential to put out uh, rather than footage all the time. You know, some matches, it, it was great, uh, but I didn't want to put out everything. I'd much rather put out like pre and post, especially having those guys early on. And what I really wanted to practice was having a singular shot kind of along the lines of like what I originally had planned. You know, the, uh, the, the singular shots were like the cameraman was uh, the audience, so to speak. And they were getting an inside look into backstage at a show. And so, you know, I wanted one of these long shots where the camera kind of dictated the attention. And what, who grabbed its attention was, was the point. Um, you know, and there was some strategy with that, obviously, talking to people, like ha having them in places and, and whatnot. But it gave everyone a chance to work on their character, which which I thought was essential. And I thought it was going to be more of a selling point than the actual in-ring action, although I thought in, in many aspects the in-ring action would speak for itself. Um, but in order to gain have them gain entry, you wanted to throw as wide of a net as humanly possible. Um, and it was really always about the characters. So... Now, before I continue, one guy that was, you know, I kind of hadn't mentioned until now was our uh, flyer designer, the guy who put those flyers together for us for the most part, was Paul Griffin, um, kind of an unsung hero in many elements, you know, many aspects, um, but an essential part of it. And, you know, I saw that flyers were were going to be the way, you know, and that in many ways I wanted them to be different than your traditional flyers, wrestling flyers. What was, you know, what was going on there was like cut and paste and kind of some rather, you know, everyone's working within their means, so to speak. But to see someone kind of elevate that was was impressive. And, and, and he was very enthusiastic and I always welcomed that. Um, and Steve-O, that's, you know, really where I kind of brought in Steve-O to be a ref. You know, he was training and, and uh, performing in many aspects, but still trying to get his feet wet. And um, his enthusiasm for the product was was paramount. Um, so our first DVD taping, there was some changes. May, May 21st, actually, John had, had booked a birthday party for that day. Of all days, his first, I don't know how many he had after that, but... That, knew that was the first one that they had had and he hadn't planned anything so he contacted me like that morning and said hey man I've got a birthday coming around too I know you got the show today but can you bring me some talent and you know kind of put together a scenario and I was like Oof. he's like everyone will get paid and at that point you know working for the door I was working for the door so any extra extra money would come in I mean we were trying to think of everything you know we had uh, the shirts made, which was kind of um, Dojo Productions that put that together, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, to me, now that I look at it, I think of it like it's the Knights of the Round Table kind of thing. Um, but, um, you know, we, we did some stuff with that first DVD taping. Like, um, again, I would constantly get flack from John about why I had production. I was like, well, we put out stuff on YouTube. And he's like, well, why do you need a production crew? You know, you can do it, you know, yourself or whatever, you know. It was like, why? Uh, maybe he thought, like, I was going to use that money for something else. And the truth was that, you know, I asked talent if they were cool with, you know, was kind of sharing 
our our money and giving half to production and everybody was on board because they got dvds of match footage you know cut to cut so they get a sense of what was going on you know what what the cameras were catching more importantly what the editor was catching um which i thought was paramount for them to see it you know and they'd work out deals with justin and um but that first dvd taping i know we we um we shot extra stuff as far as like had had everyone come down like the night before and we you know everybody sat down talked about everybody kind of do so, so we could have a video package uh you know in many ways because we were going to change up what my original plan was i listened to my main eventers uh for that night you know we were going to have this four-way for the elimination match for the iwe championship and it's like the first dvd and you know i asked ruthless and adrian and uh, VIP who who should be the fourth for this um, first main event to crown a champion and they all unanimously were like Q you know they all had a rapport with him and he was sensational you know phenomenal talent and they could all see it they knew he was the future you know they all like working with him uh, you know originally the story was I was going to have I was going to end up having it come down to where I think when Poppin was undefeated going into it, uh, going into that night. And the original plan was for him to get to the finals and Ryan, who had lost to him the first couple of lost the Crusaders, the first couple of shows, he gets his re revenge, so to speak. Um, but again, they chose, to bring in Q and I was cool with that from a story standpoint. I don't think it hurt anything. In fact, it, you know, it elevated probably the in-ring action, but I don't think it would have impacted the story too much other than it was a nice bow to wrap at the end of the year. Um, because we, that was our main event for the last DVD, you know, really I could go through every single big thing, but I'm going through much of the highlights and most of them are, you know, the DVDs are kind of the story of it. They, they are a moment in time for, for what the promotion was at that point. So, um, you know, we did this nice little intro package. Justin was talented, super talented in that respect, and put together some great stuff. And we did, like, alternate commentary, uh, which was me, Adrian Jones, rest in peace, and uh, Justin. And we, you know, talked about the process. And Adrian was coming in. Uh, he had been with PWA at that point. And kind of been a, you know, backbone member of the staff. And he was coming in because he believed in the product. He had heard good things. And that was so humbling to hear, you know, that we were doing right. You know, that people seemed to like what we were doing. And there was a buzz and I had workers wanting to work for me. And truth was, it was hard to turn down people, turn down talent. But I always felt like the first right of refusal was my original crew. Like I you know, they deserve those spots. And maybe I bring in one or two people here and there, but the truth is that that, that original crew was what's going to carry me at least through the first year. That was my thought. Um, if we bring in anyone, it's kind of an offshoot. And again, you know, almost having to ask town if they're cool with it. Well, in reason, you know, I brought in like Russell Simpson and, uh, you know, after the first DVD taping, uh, Psycho Simpson, because I just, he's a phenomenal worker and I wanted him more to Q and, uh, um, it was like one of the last shows at this Harwin location, which was this little, little building that could have been something phenomenal. I think, you know, if we'd really 
gotten our footing, but I think once we lost financial backing, we just had a building and a ring and a space. And, you know, I was hard pressed about getting rid of a production crew because I liked Dojo and I wanted to work with them and they were doing great work for me. And, uh, but it was always a struggle, always a struggle. And, you know, and it's tough because on the one hand, we're not really getting paid by John and Ray, but on the other, we are using their facility and they have every right to kind of do what they want. Um, I can't, you know, it's their building, but it was always like a, a very back and forth when it came to it, even after the first DVD, even after the shirts, you know, which was merch, which was going to, you know, kind of help us out. Um, the last show in June, I think it was June 20th, was the last show in the Harwin area. They had not booked another birthday. They were hemorrhaging money, and but they had gotten a location at, at this Armadillo indoor flea market or indoor market uh, like a flea market indoors a mammoth building and if I could have really stepped out of myself I would have approached it a lot differently um, how we approached it you know we I think tried to sell tickets you know you know we tried tried to sell tickets because we were still working for the door at least John and them and that's another discussion. And again, they're like, we don't, you know, we don't want to have video production. And I'm like, you know, it was tough. And Justin was willing to work with me in some respects. And in some respects I got, you know, he was a little frustrated with the whole endeavor because I know I was. I was stressed by everything. By the first DVD, I was like, man, you know. And we're only talking a few months in. But I had hope, you know, because everybody was so on board and we were putting out stuff and hanging out after the fact. And even with the new building, we had kind of figured out it was closer to Justin. He had a house so we could go to like kind of do after parties, which is great because it got a chance for everyone to look at the footage. You know, we do kind of not film study, but we review stuff. And um, it was interesting. You know, it was just an interesting time. It was a fun time. We were all friends. We were all passionate. We all wanted this. We all seemed on board with it. And then, and then, so here's the part of the story where everything takes a turn. Uh, You thought us losing, you know, actually a bankroll was a thing or moving to a new building was a thing. Pells in comparison to what happens over the summer and for the next few months. And as I'm telling this, I feel that I need to make a disclaimer, but the truth is enough time has passed and, um, I've said my piece on it, but for the purposes of this platform, I am going to discuss what happened leading up to Welcome to the Evolution, which was our second DVD. We're talking, I think, July, July 20th, I want to say. Oh, wait, Um, July 18th, actually. And I remember that because July 11th, I was filming another DVD. We were in another DVD taping for TASW, Dojo Productions was doing that, but I was in the ring, I was in a cage match, no, not in a cage match, uh, yeah, in a cage match against uh, Ryan Davidson, Ruthless Ryan Davidson for the TASW title, we had um, been friends and now we were feuding for this title on TASW, he was also my champion at this point, um, yeah, so, 
July 11th after the show. And I thought our match was phenomenal. I would think anyone who had seen that cage match between me and Ryan, you know, a match that featured Mysterious Q against this guy, Nasty Nick Daniels, and who uh, could have been a prototypical WWE guy at the height. Needed to fill out a little bit, but definitely had the look. Um, and Davey Richards. And we were the main event, me and Ryan. And after that, I got told by Ryan, who was my champion, and we had contract signing on, you know, at the last Harwin show, and, um, you know, it's VIP, and, and Ruthless Ryan for the IWE title, and this was the second DVD taping, and it's like, man, we're, we're having these big aspirations in spite of having not a lot of support from um, the promotion aspect, or the money man, quote-unquote, again, uh, loose, loose, loose term. Um, I get told by Ryan Davidson and Gustavo Mendoza, two of my top tier, everybody in my roster was top tier. Um, and I felt like everyone's a main eventer there. But again, we're having this conversation and they have to break the news to me that uh, Booker T is rather upset about guys working other promotions. Uh, there was an issue with another promotion, ironically named PWA, where they... Um, did a, a match that was supposed to be a person's debut at PWA for Booker T, a student. I uh, was going to work uh, one of the female talents, Jessica James. And uh, they worked a match, that same match, the night before at the PWA for Jared Steele and Booker, who rarely put, all, you know, put some effort into storylines. But this one, I think, apparently he put a lot of effort into. I was not there at the time. Uh, but apparently he had a problem with it, and my name got brought up, and IWE got brought up, and he was like, you cannot work for him. And they had a choice. And, you know, they they had obviously made their choice. Uh, Ryan was like, man, I'll come down, and I'll give you the bell in the middle of the ring. And I was like, bro, we're not doing that. You know, we'll just, you know, we'll figure it out. It was like the week before the show. We had, you know, kind of put all this footage together. And I always remember Justin being like, what's the story in the DVD, because, you know, sometimes the shows weren't that long, so he's like, what else can we put to kind of fill out the DVD? You know, whether it's alternate commentary or, uh, or you know, interviews or whatever. You know, what's the story? And so, in the span of probably a week, you know, that I, that I remember, you know, because July 20th, everything, I mean, um, July 4th, everything was cool. And between July 4th and July 11th, there was an issue. Uh, but I lost uh, Ryan Davidson. I lost Yule. I lost uh, Rockstar Robbie. I lost Gustavo Mendoza. Uh, Kelly Kevin. I think I lost Rubio. Uh, I think I lost Chaotix. I think at this point, uh, John and them are going to do a Lucha version. LMI. They had started that, and we're like, we're gonna we're gonna show Steve, and you know, we'll get into that in a second. But I lost, you know, kind of all my heavy, most of my heavy hitters, and so I had to kind of pull an audible. And oh, you want to work for us? Cool. Are you willing to work for next to nothing? Awesome. I promise you, you'll have a great time. And well, we're gonna be f filming this, that, the other. And I'm appreciative of uh, Team XL. I'm appreciative of. Uh, you know, I'm appreciative of American Eagle and the, you know, um, 
the IP and Adrian, you know, Adrian Sensation stepping up. And, uh, you know, he was kind of next in line, you know, as far as I saw it. You know, it wasn't Q's time just yet. Plus, Q was injured, I think, uh, for that DVD. Also, Psycho Simpson no-showed, which happens. I think at that point, you know, he's pretty much retired. And he was doing me a solid anyway. So, I don't, you know, at the time, I it was so much hitting me. I remember Justin, like, the day before. And we'd film content, him asking me. You know, my opinion and at that time, I was pretty heated because it was like, man, I lost all these main eventers, you know, like a big portion of my crew and like, you know, they, they were going to bat for me and, you know, I even tried to kind of smooth it over at their behest, you know, like, we'll go talk to Book. I tried to set up a meeting, dealt with his middleman and uh, was like, nah, Book's not going to want to talk to you. And it's like, you know, short of going over there and kind of hand in hat when I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just trying to give these guys a place to work where they're going to be safe and it's going to be captured and put out there. And, you know, we're going to put, paint them in a positive light. Like I'm not trying to paint anyone in a negative light. I'm all about like go workplaces and get experience. And you're not, you know, you don't have to be super loyal to me with the exception of when you're coming to work for me, you know, like, that day, you know, that's all I'm looking for. You know, I don't care if you advertise other stuff, but you know, again, they made their decision. And I, if I saw it from their point of view, I could, I can see why they would choose it. You know, it's Booker T and you know, your hope and the thought is Booker's going to get you somewhere. Truth is they weren't doing a lot of stuff on YouTube. They weren't putting footage out. It's not really till reality of wrestling that they do that. But again, uh, regardless, um, we figured it out. Second DVD was kind of like a funny thing happened on the way to DVD. I think I did two or three sit downs with Justin. He's just like story time and, you know, tell us how you feel. And then we did something with the Crusaders and, you know, we still partied it up and celebrated and, you know, blew off steam. And, but I knew that, you know, that first era was done and this is the new era. And we brought in guys like the wrecking crew and, you know, in October and, Scottish Warrior, and we brought in Brett Anthony, and we brought in Nasty Nick Daniels, and uh, I actually ended up wrestling. I think initially I wasn't going to ever wrestle. I may have wrestled Ryan as a because he was the champ, and he we had that combative thing going. But I ended up wrestling Walls Gordon in a pretty good like television style match, and uh, it's a new venue. And, you know, we're trying to make the best of it, and you know, we had a lot of build up like this phenomenal battle royal and like phenomenal multi-man and um you know try to make do and we try working for the door but every time it was why have video crew and um you know which led us to zero hour you know the final dvd that we put out which was um everyone ended up coming back you know they kind of went to bat for me and you know, I think Book softened on the idea of them working elsewhere, and he had heard positive things about their time with IWE and with working with me, and um, I appreciated that, and I appreciated the the opportunity to kind of reunite with a lot of those guys. Um, you know, it was always a little, you know, like, oh, man, wish it hadn't happened the way it had happened, but, you know, it made for some interesting stuff, and it made for an interesting story, and we, you know, became much more about what we could do as a company with all these obstacles. As we came into 2010, I started to think of what year two would bring. 
again, we were still kind of like kind of arguing with, um, there was always a fight to have the video production crew, but you know, we were making it work and, uh, we were drawing an attendance and it seemed like we were on an upswing. You know, the other thing that I forgot to mention about the move to the armadillo was we no longer were doing nighttime shows. Now we were a matinee show. It's like three or four o'clock start time. So it felt, you know, seemingly felt brutal. You know, we felt like we had to be more of a kid-friendly show, which was fine by me, but still, you know, some people felt handcuffed. And then come to realize that for all the video production stuff and all the stuff we put out and YouTube and trying to have the social media presence and, you know, we were seriously lack, lacking in attendance when compared to the LMI show, which was just kind of like ran like a fly by night operation and still seemed to draw better than us. Um, and it was always a head scratcher because, you know, I never made those shows. I was working other stuff and, but, um, you know, it's funny. We, Justin had been kind of working a deal to get the DVDs sold on Amazon. And so the plan was in 2010, we were truly going to like kind of beef things up. I was going to reach out to more talent. We were going to really try to make an actual go that it was going to be the year we made contact. That was kind of the whole endeavor coming out of zero hour. We have this main event, um, where Q wins the title. So it's kind of like the prophecy is done and now he's going to be thrusted into the forefront. He's going to be the franchise of, of my company. And for the first two months, that's what it was. You know, I brought in Creel, uh, you know, the original members and, um, it was just such a, a interesting time when I could work with talent. We could kind of get on the same page about stuff. And again, the buzz, you know, I had a lot of talent. I mean, the submission squad hitting me up and wanting to be part of the show and saying like money was not the, the point, you know, they wanted to come work. They had heard great stuff about it. Um, and I probably would have graciously accepted it, Gary J and the rest of those guys, but Truth was that not being able to pay them really hindered me. Feeling like there wasn't a guarantee. I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I wanted people to work and get paid to work. Um, you know, I ran a tight ship. And in order to, you know, I wanted guys to be paid so that, and gals, I wanted to bring women in, female wrestlers. I wanted to bring in luchadors. You know, I think the second year would have probably had more outside talent coming in, more people flying different banners. I was cool with the idea of the concept of like, Brooke Fita Bayet coming, kind of invading a f force of that. You know, we already kind of had the, this, the uh, seeds sowed, so to speak. So, um, you know, kind of making every show, cause we we're going to do, we we're going to like full monthly at that point. Once a month, I thought, well, then we just need to do everything needs to be DVD because we've, we've got to have content for Amazon to sell. Um, we had gotten the deal. We had talked to, you know, me and Justin. We had kind of discussed, should we cut in John and Ray? And we ended up agreeing that we should give them a small percentage, you know, or like a couple dollars out of each DVD we sold on Amazon. And we're, we're trying to be fair. Uh, depending on what we pulled in, but we were more than willing to be gracious and we we're going to talk to him about it. And I was combative always, <laughs> you know, I was always like, well, this is the way I want to do things. If you don't like it, what are, what are you going to do? Fire me. And 
I think almost a year to the day, that's exactly what they did. After the February 20th show, which was like our one-year anniversary, um, I got a phone call. I'm driving up to Austin to do a show, and um, they're like, we want to go in a different direction. We had just had like kind of an argument. I was still like, well, Justin's part of my crew, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And I would much rather be loyal to that guy than someone who didn't share my vision, you know, someone who really wasn't supporting us, you know, made it always feel like we were, you know, we should feel so privileged to be in it. And and in some ways that's a microcosm of like how wrestling is, you know, like they, we all say like wrestling doesn't owe you anything and you're going to give wrestling everything. And this was kind of us dealing with that. Where it's like, well, you don't do any advertisement, really. You don't really put out flyers for us. You don't really do much of anything. You don't promote for us. We're promoting it. I'm using the means that I have at my disposal. And still, yeah, I'm proud. But, you know, almost a year to the day, they hit me up and are like, we're going in a different direction. And that was, man, I was shocked. Um, shocked. And at the same time, it's like, what you going to do? Talent hit me up. Do uh, man will boycott the show. I was like, no, man, don't don't miss out on a booking because of me. And I'm like, it's fine, man. It is what it is. You know, we have plenty of footage, and you know, maybe we'll do something with it. And uh, who knows? You know, who knows? To this day, I get asked about an IWE reunion. Uh, you know, at least someone who's worked with me will have said at some point that they missed those days and working with me about, you know, that project. And, um, and that always, you know, <laughs> that touches me in such a, such a way. I'm like, well, you know, that's, it's so awesome that people still want to work with me in some capacity and think fondly of it. I think fondly of it. I also think of it realistically, like, we try to make strides and still we were working for the door. You know, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't, uh, getting thousands of hits. I think, you know, I would say, man, go look at the playlist that, that IWE playlist on my YouTube channel and you'll see exactly what video got the most hits, the most views. Um, you know, we never drew super standing room only we drew decent crowds but it was never um you know and, and again I, I should i blame the promoter quote unquote no not necessarily i mean you know i could be like guys sell tickets if we vip would sell like a vip section ticket i think which came with like uh you know like a he gave them some alcohol or sold some alcohol or something like that um which I was totally fine with. And we tried to have merch for everyone, you know, at the time I could, could get access to photo quality, uh, uh, promo paper. So, you know, and I could do photo, photo, you know, promo pics for everybody. And, um, you know, I try to think of ways, try not to have intermission necessarily always. Um, but I'm often asked, you know, like what, what would a reunion look like? And it's like, man, if I could get an IWE 2022, like, or 2023, 2024, you know, just a reunion of sorts and get VIP and bring back Adrian Sensation and 
see, you know, Rockstar Robbie and, of course, Ruthless and Mysterious Q and all the people that work for me, you know, for that project. Get Justin, you know, and, like, the Crusaders and all of them. You know, it'd be great to work with all of them. It would be great to have a facility and be able to kind of do either a one-night kind of, if you were part of IWE, show up, whether you were part of us, you know, the original crew or the ones that kept it going um, after my departure. Um, it's like anything, you know, the idea would be something. Um, it was a definitely a stressful time, <clears throat> if I'm going to be honest. You know, I put a lot of stress on myself to make it... Um, a thing to make it a show and uh, try to make it the best show possible. And I kind of stood my ground on certain things and, um, was set in my ways in some respects. And, um, if I look back now, it's like, well, I probably should have enjoyed it more, which I tried, especially, you know, the aftermath or, you know, sometimes during, um, you know, I got to work with a lot of people. I think a lot of people learned there, you know, I mean, Kevin became like the director of reality wrestling and um I would I would hope you know his conversations with Justin you know Justin got to work with reality wrestling early those early days um we built relationships that have lasted you know most of my life since since those days and uh, you know I value all of those you know those guys anybody who took a part in, in the IWE time was it definitely has a special place in my heart. Um, and I, you know, I'm so thankful that we all got to share in that journey. You know, I look back at it now, I'm like, it was a special time. You know, I still have physical DVDs. I got, and those aren't, those are just those. I've got like DVD, you know, mat shows, uh, other shows like that I could watch. Um, so, um, you know, I, um, I want to give a uh, set of flowers to J.P. Black as I wrap this up. Um, someone had, had had shared that he was getting into a Hall of Fame, and I had commented on it. And it was just the tip of the iceberg. Um, when I came to NWA Southwest, I was not high on Ken Taylor's list. You know, I was brought in as part of this EWF run and, uh, you know, faction or, or promotion. And, um, my first match was against hot stuff Hernandez and that kind of luckily that went really well. And they put me in the Texas heavyweight title picture against, um, JP black, who was the champ at the time and gave me an opportunity to, to, to do promos, um, at least, backstage with Rob Moore and uh, which was paramount getting me to be able to put out my personality and that allowed me to placate um, and get my footing and get solid footing and getting to work a guy like JP and it be a feud so we had this kind of story that went on for months I think almost a year and we got to work like Texas Motor Speedway show. We got to work the 54th annual anniversary show for NWA. We got to work a Texas death match in my hometown of Corpus Christi um, in the in arena or Coliseum. They called the Memorial Coliseum. No longer there, but 
uh, three significant life <laughs> situations occurred. Anytime wrestling would come into town, WWE or NWA or WCW, the Clash of Champions 10 was held in that Coliseum. Uh, the um, My high school graduation took place in that building. That was kind of the, uh, the main Coliseum back in the day. And so to work in that building and be the hometown hero in some respects. Like I was a heel coming in until that show when I was a you know big time baby face. My family was in attendance, my grandmother was in attendance, my mom, my dad, dad really, you know, stepdad really got to see me. Grandmother saw me some, my mom got to see me here and there, but really infrequent. But for a major title, Texas Heavyweight Championship, and it was against JP Black. And uh that guy was an amazing guy to work with. Uh always a professional, and I think any accolade he gets uh, that that shows his value is uh, you know to me he was always, always a hall of famer took great care of me he was a the ultimate professional and that feud was really paramount in my early career and so um yeah just wanted to sing his praises he's going to get the praises sang to him but there's some flowers for him uh next week um or next episode go one of two ways i got some things in the works um so if I hold off, then, you know, once I'm done with this project, I've also got <clears throat> my 15th anniversary of YouTube, even though I haven't put out video content myself in a few years, but I have continued to utilize YouTube. Um, I may talk about that, or I may talk about, I got a couple of things in mind. Um, I appreciate those that have uh, enjoyed these strolls down memory lane. If there is a topic you want me to discuss, always feel free to hit me up. Um, I do have a question for listeners. If you have, are listening to this point, send me a comment or a message. Um, the logo of the shirt, should I put that out there to sell? Uh, should I change it as far as from a t-shirt or would that logo suffice? Uh, what are your thoughts? I appreciate any feedback that you give me. And um, until the next time, I'll see you on down the road.